Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara's Care Show, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness. And today, we're actually exploring learning differences with a neuroeducator. Have you ever heard of that term before? Betsy Hill authored the book, Your Child Learns Differently, Now What? The Truth for Parents. So perhaps you have found that your child does learn differently. So what do we do about it? Uh, I am speaking here with Betsy Hill, who has uh, had years and years of experience with a five-step plan. So welcome, Betsy. Thank you. Pleased to be here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think uh, for those who might be listening to this, um, they, their child might have a label, ADHD, dyslexia, uh, any of the, on the spectrum, any of that. You say it really doesn't matter what the label is. The one thing that needs to change in education is teaching cognitive skills because you're not stuck with the brain you were given. All of that is true. And labels, you know, labels can be helpful in some ways. Uh, They, you know, they're certainly necessary if you need medication. They're certainly necessary if you uh, really need a personalized, uh, individualized personal uh, education plan. But they don't really tell us how a child learns. And so when we can get beyond the labels and we get down to the level of understanding cognitive skills, then we really start to understand how learning is happening. And cognitive skills, uh, because it's a term that not everybody is familiar with, are the basic ways that information gets into our brains from the outside world. It's what starts the learning process. And when this is things like attention and visual processing and auditory processing, and when those skills, when those processes are happening um, well, they're happening efficiently and accurately, we get a good start to the learning process. But we need to sometimes help build them up so that kids can um, be more successful in learning and really enjoy the process a lot more. Mm, and that's a tough thing with parents. You know, you see your child start to shut down. And this has been a big problem since the pandemic. 70% of students are not performing sufficiently at grade level. The greatest decline is with students who have individualized education plans. So they already have a learning difference and they're getting farther behind. But you say it really doesn't have to be that way. You've developed a program that can help turn it around. That's correct. So. All of these skills, you know, we've been used to thinking about intelligence as fixed, as these skills sort of either being there or not being there to whatever degree they can be. And what we do uh, for the most part in schools and, and other situations is help kids work around that. So we give them accommodations. Maybe we give them more time on a test. Maybe we give them fewer spelling words or something like that. But what we now know is that we can actually strengthen these underlying cognitive skills so that they function much more efficiently and they're just much stronger. And then they work together because there are all these different processes that have to um, collaborate, basically. Our brain's a great collaboration spot uh, with all these skills trying to, to happen and work together at the same time. So we can um, strengthen them to a much greater degree than most people are familiar with. Right. And maybe people aren't familiar with the term neuroplasticity, but the idea that our brain is a lot more like Play-Doh than it is a bowling ball that we can't change. We can fix it. We've learned this with stroke victims. We've learned that people can learn to walk again. So I think the struggle as a mom um, who actually has a child with learning difference, how do you work on that with your kids. Sometimes they're so resistant, they're young. So how does this idea of neuroplasticity work to kind of make their brain get stronger? 
So uh, there have been approaches to developing these skills for many, many years, and it's been done. You may, if you have a child who has learning differences, you may have experienced this already. You may have been to a clinician of a speech pathologist or a vision developmental expert or an occupational therapist or any of a variety of other kinds of, of therapists. And these exercises, it's like calisthenics for your brain. It's like working out, but it's intentionally for all of these mental processes and executive functions. And when we do those in the right combination, in the right ways, um, and what we were able to do was to marry the um, the processes, the techniques that are used to improve these with video game technology. So the combination makes it much more intriguing and engaging for kids, um, but it can also be, and it can also be very effective. So basically you've developed some technology with decades of um, those in the field of neurology, those in the field of learning, kind of coming together and making a video game that actually helps wire the brain more efficiently for these kids. It does. And when we see um, kids who have been through the program for about 12 weeks, what we see is um, anything between three and four years of cognitive growth in those 12 weeks. So it's really pr quite remarkable. And, and then, of course, all of those skills are the skills that we use when we're learning. So we also then see a year or two of improvement in reading or math and other um, academic subjects. Um, there was one study actually which involved students with specific learning disabilities. So that's about 40% of the students who have individualized education plans. And those students were able to increase their cognitive skills almost to the level virtually catching up with their more typically developing peers. And what that means is those skills are simply there for them. When they approach the learning process, it's easier, it's faster, their processing speed may be faster, their working memory may have more capacity, um, their attention is stronger. So those are the skills that tend to be weaker in students who have learning disabilities. Um, and we can um, get them to the point where they're very close to sometimes even surpassing, you know, nobody knows the limits of the of how the human mind can develop. And that is one of the wonders of neuroplasticity. Yeah, so uh, let's take a, a child with dyslexia. How would they learn to read better by building these cognitive skills? So dyslexia is a very complex um, condition and there are lots of pieces to it. So um, there's no single cure-all, but Many kids with dyslexia also have a learning disability or a challenge like ADHD and things like that. So if you think about what's happening when you're reading, let's take the example of working memory, because that's a culprit for many, many kids when they who struggle with reading. Mm. Working memory is how we hold information in our minds while we think about it. So when you're reading, you're taking in pieces of information, you're holding them in your mind, you're comparing them to what you already know, which is how we create meaning. It's how we understand. And so the, and that's our conscious processing. It's our only conscious processing. And so if you have very limited working memory capacity, 
then it's going to be very difficult to comprehend and to understand what you're reading because you simply can't hold those pieces in your mind. So uh, maybe, maybe you're a parent who's been lucky enough that you had the means to actually get a neuropsych um, exam. And that's something that, you know, doctors, pediatricians say, let's get a neuropsych. It'll show all the abilities and all of the strengths and weaknesses. Um, does that matter if you have one? And do you recommend that kids get that to, to, to help with these cognitive skills? Or does this plan that you have in your book kind of reroute that? Well, we also use a cognitive assessment, um, and we use it for a couple of purposes. One is to help understand what a child's learning strengths are. One of the things that unfortunately tends to happen in schools is that there's a focus on what a child can't do rather than what they can do. And so when we can, so we use our cognitive assessment um, to identify how a child learns best what kinds of skills, what kind of strengths they have that they can bring in a very positive and proactive way to every learning experience. And then we also use it as a baseline. Um, you don't have to go to the extent of a comprehensive neuropsych evaluation, which can be fairly expensive, although you may be able to get your uh, school to provide that for you. There are other approaches that are uh, less intensive and less um, expensive, but also will provide you with that information about how you learn best. If I had I told somebody the other day, if I had my druthers, I would have every child in America take a, a basic cognitive assessment simply because it is so empowering when they understand what their strengths are and how to mm. use them. Yeah. So, you know, does it matter at what point you intervene? When you talk about neuroplasticity, what if uh, you're listening to this right now and your kids are already teenagers? Um, can you still help them so that they're going to do better in college by doing some of the practices, which we're going to get a little bit into what you do here with this program and how we can use it? But um, what if you're kind of feeling like, oh, gosh, I missed the boat. I just got this diagnosis and they're halfway through high school. Yes. Well, my boys, two of them were diagnosed as ADHD in, in high school. And of course, I didn't know then what I know now, but it, it uh, at any age, it's a little bit easier when you're younger, but there's, you never write it off. And in fact, we've had a lot of adults using the program. We've had um, late teens use the program and uh, do better on their ACT exams. So it's really at any age. And that's one of the great things about neuroplasticity is that our brains can change throughout life. There's, you know, there's some things that are more difficult, um, but a lot of these skills can improve at essentially any age. And you, and uh, for adults, you can build cognitive reserve, which is something that as we age and we want to maintain a healthy and active and uh, uh, intelligent and, and uh, um, inquiring and learning lifestyle, uh, of course, we want those skills to be strong, too. So let's talk about um, how you would do this. You have, a, you have a program. It's called Brainware, and it has a few steps. Talk a little bit about how you build these cognitive skills with this program you have designed. Sure. So what we do is these are techniques that have been used um, in clinical therapy. So we start, as I said, with the, the cognitive assessment. Um, we encourage parents to, you know, step one of the five-step plan, for example, is to take the wheel, to recognize that, that 
there is nobody in this world that cares more about your child than you do. And so when you can take the wheel, when you understand that you have power to help your child improve how they learn, um, then it changes the game. So that's step one. Um, step two is to set high standards, not to accept that children won't be able to accomplish uh what other people say they can't, but that they ha there's a tremendous amount that they can accomplish. Um, so the training program actually involves strengthening, as we said, cognitive skills, and that involves three to five times a week um, use working on a computer uh, with a coach. So a parent can be a coach or we can provide a, a trained coach. Um, the role of the coach is sort of like a personal trainer. It's to be supportive, to encourage you, to help you get over those little bumps sometimes when you get stuck. Um, and it's the practice of working these skills together and in different combinations um, in what seems like a video game that actually um, gets these skills so that they're just automatic. If you think about something that you do over and over again, like tying your shoes or learning to drive a car or walking even those are things that you do over and over again you may not you may if you've watched little kids learn how to walk they fall down a lot but they practice and they practice and eventually it becomes automatic and then we don't forget it then those skills are just there for us and these mental processes are essentially the same if we can get them to the point with practice uh, which we do in a video game format, then they are stronger and they're just there. You don't think about it. You don't think, how do I think about this? How do I see more at a glance? How do I, uh, you know, quickly uh, process things, you know? And then you end up with um, children who come home and just get started and do their homework in a reasonable amount of time. Um, I mean, we were talking to a family the other day for whom that happened after about seven or eight weeks of working in the program. So I know that parents listening right now are going, oh, my gosh, I'm already so busy. And there's sports and there's this and I'm already having homework battles. Now I'm going to have to battle with these kids to do this. So you say kids actually like this. Can you answer that question before parents go, I can't take one more thing, you know, because there's so much information <laughs> out there. Most of them love it, not just like love it. They love working in the program and they love working with their coach. And and the other thing is that it gets you away from those homework battles. Yeah, I mean, there are so many things that we can do in life, but think of this as a one-time investment. For 12 weeks, you're going to help your child learn so much better, learn, be so much more confident, you know, that they are able to take on harder challenges. They're willing to, their attitude towards school typically improves. Their communications with their parents improves. They're spending less time on their homework. And so, and there's more family time as a result of that. Uh, and usually that's a big enough payoff for both children and parents that they, um, that they really, they really want to make that change. I mean, you, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's work. Um, but it's so worth it in the end when you, see that smile on your child's face when they, you know, I think of one little girl who couldn't remember the copying a problem, you know, 46 minus 32, and she would have to do it number by number, four, eight, six. And one day after several weeks of using brainware, 
She copied her problem, 4A6 minus 32, 4A6 minus 32. And she screamed and her mom said, oh my gosh, you did it that first time. Those experiences are worth everything as a parent. Let's talk about accessibility. Um, I, I know we've done stories about some video games, uh, uh, one specific endeavor now being um, covered um, by some insurance anyway, because it's been FDA approved. Are any of these programs accessible with insurance or with healthcare FSA, or are they just affordable for people to do it on their own? So for the most part, insurance has not caught up with the world of of the kinds of things that we know and can help uh, students do. Uh, but there are some programs and there are some states that have self-determination which allows uh, parents to direct the funds that they would get for support. Um, and the programs are far more affordable than um, most of the, the kinds of therapies and things like that. So it's a fraction of the cost because we do everything. We've really worked to make it affordable by um, removing all the brick and mortar. Everything is virtual. Um, uh, but still very high levels of support. So, um, and then there's also um, financing options so that most families are able to find a way to do uh, it if they want to do it. So you've had a lot of success with this in the Chicago area. I mean, really, some if you look at some of the graphs, um, pretty dramatic of where students start to where they go up. Can you characterize some of the successes you've had? Sure. And we work, we are based in Chicago, but we work all over the world. We have clients in Australia and um, in Europe and in um, South Africa and in Israel. I'm trying to think of the ones that we have got working right now, as well as around the United States and in Canada. So when, um, when we we always do a pre-test and a post-test, and every individual is going to be different. But when we look at the averages of the kinds of improvements that we see, especially when we're looking at the growth for those weaker skills, a lot of kids that we work with have a lot of strengths. They have some areas, you know, perhaps their reasoning skills are very good, but their working memory is limited or their processing speed is slow. And that's really gets in the way of them being able to demonstrate what they can do in an academic setting or in a lot of other kinds of settings. Um, and so when we are able to help them do that, we have, you know, take um, processing speed, for example, from maybe the 20th percentile up to the 30th or 40th percentile uh, so that you're getting kids much more in the middle of the expected range is one of the terms that we use to refer to it for those skills. Um, and sometimes those strong skills get even stronger. It's very common to have a skill that was already strong that gets actually up into the level of uh, what would qualify a student for a gifted program, for example, at the 96th percentile if you're already in the 80s mm -hmm. uh, for a particular skill. So, and, and some parents may have already done some academic testing like we talked about or neuropsych testing. Do they, it, what you find when you do this assessment, do, do they tend to jive with that or you find out more? No, they tend to match up well. What we find is that when, that we are able to connect this much more directly 
and help parents really understand what it means and and help kids understand what it means. So a neuropsych evaluation, um, many of them are have a ton of information. They're pages and pages and pages and all kinds of numbers, but they don't necessarily help parents understand what it means and what to do about it. Mm. Um, usually they're done so that students can qualify for accommodations and workarounds and extra time and all those kinds of things. Um, so what we find is that we are able to connect this very directly to what they see in a classroom, what they see at homework time, what they see and didn't see when children were trying to work remotely during the pandemic. I mean, that was really a wake-up call for so many parents where they saw their kids struggling and they hadn't necessarily seen that before. Mm -hmm. uh, but then they realized that there was a struggle and they said, I, I need to do something about this. Yeah. Well, and you have the background of being a teacher as well. So I do. Yes. I, I taught high school for a number of years. Um, I still teach today. I teach in a in an MBA program. I teach strategic thinking. Um, and I so that's my lab. It's where I get I get to practice all the evidence based um, brain based teaching strategies and things like that that yeah. So I try to hold myself accountable and and practice those things and make sure that I can explain to somebody how to do them. You know, I'm talking to parents all the time and talking to kids and talking to teachers. We do work with a number of schools where they have been able to implement the program. Um, if you can get your school to do the program, it's going to be far less expensive than if you're going to do it as an individual. But of course, not all schools are set up to be able to do that. But we have worked with a number of schools. We're seeing some very dramatic results, um, including um, some very significant improvements in how students are performing on state standardized testing. Right. So if you're listening to this and thinking, I am a teacher or um, I want my school to do this, what would be how would you get the whole school to be involved in brainware? We've certainly done a lot of reporting to know that usually what's good for someone with a learning dis difference or a neurodivergent child is actually good for everyone. Um, it's usually it's going to help everyone. Absolutely. If you can teach those kids, Absolutely. it's going to be more accessible, yeah. more exciting, more engaging for everyone. Yeah, you know, most of the great um, curriculum and strategies and things that are now being applied in general education came from the world of special education because uh, we're trying to help kids who learn you know differently but the truth of the matter is that every child learns differently every child has strengths and weaknesses and when we help them find those strengths so um, schools um, we work with a lot of schools um, it's pretty easy for them. We we start usually with a discussion, often with a principal or um, a director of curriculum or somebody like that at the at, at, if it's a district level, and we explore how they can best implement it. Um, um, so we've got a lot of experience doing that. A lot of different from California to New York and from Canada down to uh, Southern Texas. And even if you're not going to do this program, I know this book um, is going to be coming out soon and uh, your child learns differently. Now what? The Truth for Parents, a five-step plan. This is co-written with your co-author, uh, Roger Stark, who has also appeared in front of Congress um, about the importance of using neuroscience in education. Uh, first one to deliver a joint congressional briefing at 
on neuroscience in the classroom. So I, I think it makes sense, right, that we have all this science. But I think the frustrating thing is um, how do we change school? How do we make this work so that educators can just teach children better? I think we're still seeing so much of the here's the worksheet <laughs> and figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, there's some it, changing education is takes a long time. You know, we've been educating our uh, uh, humans since the time of Socrates for 2000 years, more than 2000 years at this point. And um, and so, it, it, you know, we have some things that that we are used to doing. Um, one of the things that is really important is that teacher preparation programs need to incorporate some basic neuroscience, some basic understanding of how the brain learns. Um, it isn't in most teacher preparation programs still. It yeah. is in some, but um, most of the teachers that I talked to got through their training programs without ever hearing the word brain. And until you understand what's going on in the brain, then you the tendency is to um, give students anything, you know, a worksheet or whatever it is. And there is nothing brain compatible about worksheets. Um, they're really not very good for anything except boring students to tears. And they will do that very quickly mm. uh, and very well. But it's not a good way to engage with material. We gauge we. we we don't learn things that have no meaning to us or that we don't find valuable, we don't find engaging. And so uh, there are all kinds of different ways. And um, the other thing is that a worksheet is basically writing things. It's using words. It's like it's sort of like the, the typical vocabulary assignment where the teacher says, write the word, write the word in the definition, and then write the word in a sentence. Well, that's great for kids who have really good verbal memory. But think about a child who has really good visual memory. And maybe your kids were like this, Kara. It's very common when we hear about kids who learn differently. Is, is that um, that's not how they remember information. They remember it by seeing some kind of image or chart or graph or diagram. And so pairing a picture with the word is how they can best learn it. But instead, we have this tendency to have them do the traditional verbal uh, activity, which is not going to help them remember it. It really just, just takes up a lot of time. I know I asked you a big question just as we're running out of time, Betsy, but I want to thank you. Betsy Hill is the co-author of a groundbreaking new book, Your Child Learns Differently, Now What? The Truth for Parents. There's so much more than we can get into it on the Kara's Cure show, um, but I want to encourage everyone, you can follow me on social media at Kara Sundlin. We'll post this podcast there. And, and Betsy, I know the book is out there. So uh, at least it's something that parents can really understand. And perhaps, um, as you said, the five steps to start acknowledging that everybody's brain is different and be nice if we could get everyone a test like this, but at least if you're listening, you can get it for your kids. So thank you so much, Betsy. Thank you, Kara. It's a great pleasure. Yeah. Real important stuff here. So if you uh, want more information on the cutting edge of wellness, then please um, follow the Kara's Cure show and podcast. Again, you can find me at Kara Sundlin. And if this is meaningful to you or someone you love, please share it on social media. Have a great day, everyone, and be well.